Let's open up our Bibles there in Psalm 55. As uh, today we're going to cover this uh, psalm that is, is so amazing, and we're going to see as we go through our outline uh, some really cool things in it. Notice in our outline, um, it, it consists of three prayers. The first one is that God would hear his prayer, which is an interesting one. And then the second one is for God to destroy and divide his enemies. And then the third one is for death and destruction on his enemies. And so, you know, when we as New Testament Christians consider our enemies, uh, we have New Testament light. And so we usually pray for their salvation. But ultimately, there, is, uh, there are enemies that are behind the, the flesh and blood. And, and those enemies will be destroyed. And so in Revelation chapter 20, it talks about how one day the devil is going to be thrown into the lake of fire and all his uh, angels, all his fallen angels with him. And so I always liken my, that to, um, you know, the enemy. When I, when I think of people in my life, you know, I, I don't know if I necessarily have any enemies. I probably do. Maybe there's some out there who would love to see me fall you know, mess up, fail. Um, I don't really focus, though, on them. Uh, I don't know of any at the top of my head, but um, uh, maybe you do, huh? How many of you here, you, your boss hates you? I'm just joking. You won't raise your hand. <laughs> you know, you got people, though, that you think are against you or whatever, um, but remember, it's not them. It's not. Uh, we're to love our enemies, Jesus said. But here's David. Just We're going to see he's, he's just sharing his heart. This is how he feels. These are the things he's praying as he brings his uh, petitions before the Lord. And we're going to see in our beginning section right here, number one prayer is that David uh, prayed that God would hear his prayer, and then we're going to see why, because they hated him, and number two, because of the emotions that he was experiencing in his heart. And so notice what we read here in Psalm 55. Uh, it's to the chief musician with stringed instruments, a contemplation of David. And he says, Give ear, to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. And so we're going to see as we journey through this psalm uh, that David is literally at war. He's uh, struggling in his walk with the Lord. Um, and at the same time, while he's going through that, even though he's struggling, he still has enough sense to know that he needs to pray. This most effective weapon in the war, it won't be slings or stones or spears or swords. His weapon of choice is prayer. And so what are you going through? You know, what is your challenge? What is your struggle? What is your battle? We all have wars. If you're not aware of it, then you're, you know, you're being blinded by the enemy. So there's a war going on, and, and our weapon in the war is prayer. You know, he knows what Paul the Apostle wrote about. Remember in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, it talks about the armor of the soldier. And you guys know we have soldiers, and they have their gear, and they go out, and Paul gives the Roman soldiers artillery there. But at the end, he talks about prayer, and prayer is one of the weapons that we have. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and Powers, rulers of the darkness of the age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You know, when I was in high school, I used to wrestle. And uh, they said it was one of the toughest sports of all. You know, just you and your opponent, man, one-on-one, -on -one, going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And so we wrestle against demons. 
Never forget that. You don't wrestle against people. And I don't care who that person is, and I don't care what the problem is. You know, when you bring God into the equation, understand God can give you the victory in that wrestling match. It's not men who are against him necessarily. It's not humans. It's demons. And and when you think about it, if you're wrestling against demons, the last time I checked, only the Lord can defeat demons. That's why if you want to win, you got to pray. You know, I was thinking about these homeless people right here, and then they're, they're up on the stairs today when we walked in, and one of the guys was smoking, you know, crack or, or whatever, crystal meth, you know, or the other guy who sleeps right there, or just different than you can. And so what do we have to do? We have to pray. You know, David here is at war. We're going to see his son is turned against him. His, one of his best friends is turned against him. But he's not focusing on the men He's focusing on the demons behind them. And so he knows what he needs to do. He needs to pray. We can't defeat demons. You know, if you reference, for example, such passages as 2 Peter 2.11 and Jude verse 9, and there you'll see that even the top gun in God's army, who is Michael the archangel, the Bible said he dared not bring a reviling accusation against Satan, but even he said, the Lord rebuke you. Even he knew he couldn't go toe-to-toe with the enemy, so he prayed. Even Michael did. Now, if he did, how much more so do we? Michael knew, David knew, and I hope we now know that the only hope we have to see the Lord move in, in the ways that we want to move, we want to move in our communities, in our families, in our children, and whatever it is that you're struggling with, man, you're going to have to become a person of prayer and here it's interesting how David prays, God, please, you know, hear my prayer. That, that's what he's praying. Give ear, in verse 1, to my prayer, O God. And don't hide, do not hide yourself from my supplication. The Hebrew word for supplication there is rooted in the word for mercy. God, show me mercy. Attend to me, Lord. Pay attention to me. Hear me. I am restless in my complaint. I moan noisily. I mean, David here is asking God to hear his prayer because he's struggling. And so he pleads for God to hear his prayer, not to hide from him. And so we see here in verse 3, it's interesting how it speaks of the voice of the enemy. Notice this is why. So prayer number one, that God would hear his prayer. Why? Because of their hate. Look at verse 3. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in, my, in wrath they hate me. And so ver- verse 3 speaks of the voice. It's interesting, the voice of the enemy. And, and, and ultimately, I believe, yeah, people can say things, and Ahithophel uh, said what he said, and Absalom went, and you guys remember the story. We'll talk about it as we go through our study today. How, you know, Absalom, you know, lured the people away from King David. And so they spoke, but ultimately it was the voice of the devil. And so um, there, you know, right here we read, and ultimately that I believe that it's the devil that we need to be careful of. Their voices are nothing but lies. They oppress the righteous and their wrath is always their path. They hate angrily and violently. That's the way the enemy is. And so David is praying, 
but he's also hurting. Lord, why, why are you so desperate in your prayer? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where, you know, you're, you're fasting and you're praying more than normal? We're going to see later. He prays more frequently. He prays more intensely. He even prays louder. And I don't like to shout, but sometimes I do. I'll, I'll shout a little bit just to kind of keep you guys awake, you know. But sometimes I go into my garage and I just talk out loud. And it's like I almost jump up and down only because I, I just feel like there's something in the Bible that says, you know, because I know you guys are like all well-fed Christians, and you're like, well, you don't need to yell, and, you know, God hears a little whisper, and yeah, it's true, you know, God hears your thoughts, and it's true, but, you know, when I read the Psalms, I just, I just see David sometimes like saying, Lord, don't, don't forget me, you know, and in saying that, it's almost like you're saying, I, I believe in you, God, I know you hear me, but, you know, it's, it's desperation, like Elijah praying over and over and over and over again, seven times, getting down on his knee. Anything yet? Getting down on his knees. Anything yet? Getting down on his knees. Do I see any results yet? That's the way we need to pray. And so he's praying, you know, because the enemy hates him. And, and number two, because he's hurting. Look at verse four. My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Salah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. You know, we see David here prays that God would hear his prayer Number one, because of their hate. Number two, because of his heart, because he's struggling so much. Verse four, my heart is severely pained within me. And we're going to see it's an awful combination. It's an awful mixture of uh, emotional pain and fear. You know, I don't know if you've ever been there where your heart is just hurting. It's hurting. You know, um, the deep pain, because in this case of betrayal, a friend, and so the deep fear, and it's not just his own life we're going to see that's on the line, the lives of so many others as well, and it's just uh, something that David was responsible for as a king, and so what had happened was, you guys remember the story as far as, you know, Absalom, and, and the, the whole thing is a really fascinating story, so let me see if I can kind of give you guys a nutshell of a, of, a, of a summary, otherwise we'll be here all night. And even though I know you wouldn't mind being here all night because you guys are, are so hungry for the word, it, you know, I, I know I can't do that to you. So um, you guys remember um, when David had problems with his children and when one of his sons raped one of his daughters, okay? They were stepchildren. I mean, they were half-sisters, half-siblings, I should say that. And so, uh, and, you know... Tamar was raped by Amnon, and so Absalom, he took a while, but eventually he killed him. You guys remember? He killed the guy that raped his half-sister. And so what ended up happening was uh, Absalom fled after he killed him, and David didn't want to bring him back, you know, because the guy wasn't really repentant. He wasn't really repentant. But, you know, Joab kind of tricked him, and he used this old lady to bring him back uh, to Israel. And when Absalom came back, the only thing weighty about him was his hair. 
He was a good-looking guy, but his heart was not right, and his good looks camouflaged his ugly heart. And so what ended up happening as time progressed is Absalom would sit in the city gates, and so when the people came, I said, I know you want to talk to David, but you know what? He's too busy for you. I wish I were king. If I were king, I'd pay better attention to you. And eventually what happened was Absalom won the hearts of the people. Now, behind the scenes, uh, not only is Absalom mustering up a rebellion, but Ahithophel is mustering up a rebellion. Now, Absalom's motive for you know, going against David was that his, 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 his sister was, was raped. But Ahithophel's motive for coming against David was because his granddaughter's husband was murdered by David. And that was Bathsheba's husband. I mean, it's interesting. When you look at all the chronology of everything, Ahithophel's son was one of David's mighty men. And Ahithophel's grandson was one of David's mighty men, Uriah. Uriah was married to Bathsheba. And and so when David, you know, committed adultery, when David eventually murdered then what ended up happening was Ahithophel began to get bitter as well. And so here's these guys, Ahithophel, Absalom, they want to take matters into their own hands. They want to go against God's anointed. You know, and there's that part of us that wants to do that. There's that part of us that, you know, we want justice and we think we know better than God. But in the end, you got to be careful. In the end, Ahithophel died, Absalom died, and David lived. See, so all this is kind of stirring up behind the scenes. And what's going on here is what ended up happening was as Absalom came to the city of Jerusalem, David didn't want to fight him. He's, you know, thinking these things. So he ended up running away. Um, and he's going to end up, you know, battling David. And it's a big drama thing. But what ends up happening is David's gone for a while. His son is mustering up betrayal and rebellion against him. His son ends up sleeping with all his concubines, making it official that he was not turning back. And so David here is in that situation. That's the background to this psalm. And so it's a hard place for an individual to be. You know, for us, we have to remember three times in the Bible, God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. We have to remember that because a lot of times we want to take things into our own hands. And so this is the backdrop. This is why David is so, uh, so in so much pain. Verse 4, my heart is severely pained within me and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. You know, the deep pain because of the betrayal uh, from a friend, the fear that, that he might die and others as well. In verse 5, he opens up about his fear and, and trembling and the overwhelming horror in, in his heart. His chest is, you know, the, his heart is pounding in his chest. And, and what David just wants to do is he just wants to run away. That's what he says right there in, in verse 5. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. You know, at, here's the guy that at one time ran to the battle. Now he wants to run away, hide under a rock, and disappear 
just fall off the end of the earth, you know, and it's kind of like an individual who just, you know, who just wants to, to give up. You know, he asked for the wings of a dove there in verse 6 to fly away. I like what Warren Worsby said. He said David asked, wanted wings like a dove so he could fly away from the storm. What he really needed, however, were wings like an eagle so he could fly above the storm. And that's, that, that's why it was so cool we were singing that song right now about eagle's wings. You know, Angel didn't know that that was in my study. And I think God wants to tell us that. You know, sometimes we want to just get out of the trial when God wants us to get something out of the trial. He wants us to change. Not just, you know, away from the storm, but above the storm. Because when you go above the storm, then you begin to see things from God's perspective. There's a reason for all these things that are going on. You know, eagles, they fly up to 15,000 feet high. Uh, they do about 65 miles per hour. Uh, I wish I could fly like an eagle. Um, I think there's a song about that, huh? Anyways, you know, gliding. They glide for hours on the wind. I mean, it's just amazing how they could do that. And their vision is so uh, strong that they're able to spot prey a mile away. And then when the eagle swoops down, he goes at 200 miles an hour. And he swoops down to pick up that you know, catch with his strong claws. Eagles are, are pretty amazing. And the Bible says that we can be like eagles. It makes me want to become a Philadelphia Eagles fan, to be honest with you, man. Eagles are amazing. You, you don't want wings like a dove to fly away. You don't want to run away from your problems. You want to conquer them. You want to learn from them. You want to draw nearer to God. You want to grow stronger. You want to, you know, man, mount up with wings as eagles. You see, as, a, as an eagle flying up there from that perspective, you, you'll know that God sees everything, that God is sovereign, and that God will give you his strength. And that's what we read. If you get a chance, I encourage you to read the whole chapter, Isaiah 40. But in Isaiah 40, verse 27 through 31, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? You know, here's Israel thinking, where's God in all this? Where's justice in all this? God doesn't see. God just kind of passed me up. And, and, and Isaiah says, no, why are you guys saying that? Why are you talking that way about God? Don't you know he sees everything? Don't you know he's sovereign over everything? And then, and then he goes on to say, have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? He neither faints nor is worry. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. See, we want God to lighten the load when God wants to make our backs stronger. God wants to make us stronger. He gives strength to the weak, right? And, and he just does this work, you know. And so what we find is that he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. Think about that. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, there's the key. Those who wait on the Lord. You're not going to go and get your hands in it. You're not going to go and take care of matters yourself. You're going to trust in Him. You're going to believe in Him. You're going to pray with great expectation, great anticipation. You're not going to rush into things. You're going to wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord, it says right there, they, what they'll do 
is they will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. There it is. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I've been on the treadmill lately, man. And after a few minutes, I get weary. I don't know how some guys do it. I know Billy and and Abel. These guys run for miles. One day I'm going to be there, man. But you know, that's what happens when you wait on the Lord, spiritually speaking. See, David here, he wanted to quit. He wanted to split. He wanted to go and hide under a rock. He wanted to disappear from all the other disciples. He just said, I'm done. And, and, and so he's praying because they hate him. And he's praying because his heart is hurting. Now, I'll tell you what, he is just being honest with God. You know, um, and, and what we find as Christians is this. And listen to this. It's very important. When you pray, God knows how messed up your heart is. God knows your struggles, so you can't hide it from him, right? But listen to this. What what we find as Christians is that it's okay to be honest with your feelings, but it doesn't mean your feelings are okay. You know what? You're like, well, I just feel that way. Okay, you can tell God that you feel that way. It's okay to tell God that you feel that way, but understand It doesn't mean that it's okay to feel that way. There's a difference. I'm struggling with this person. Lord, I wish you would just, you know, kill them or whatever, man. Pastor Raw talks about that all the time, you know, break their teeth or whatever. You know, um, but in your heart, though, as God has shown you so much grace, he begins to change your heart. And then you begin to, to realize that even though David felt this way, just to run away, and he's so afraid, and he's so overwhelmed, e- eventually he's going to walk by faith, and he knows that that's not right. We should fly with God, not away from God. We can't help but sometimes feel mad or sad or bad, right? We can't change the way we feel, so we pray you know, God, help me. God, make me glad. Oh, that I had the wings of an eagle to fly above the stormy situation and I get a glimpse of it. Maybe if you would just give me a little glimpse from your perspective. And I, and, and I know, Lord, that if you would give me that, I'd find a peace knowing once again that you are going to work everything out for good. See? And, and so we should fly with God, not away from God, Notice at verse 7, if you would, look there. Um, if you look closer at verse 7, the word wander is probably not a good thing to do. Look at verse 7. Indeed, I, I would wander far off. Wander doesn't sound good to me to, to wander. And then there's the word wilderness in, in verse 7. And, and so to me, that's not a good combination. Where have you heard that before? Wandering in the wilderness. Right, that was the, the Old Testament, right? The children of Israel came out of Egypt. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1 and verse 2, it says it was an 11-day journey. Deuteronomy 11 verse 2, and it ended up being a 38-year waste of life because they did not walk by faith. They walked by sight. When God wanted them to go into the promised land, the land of victorious Christian living, where God had a mission for them, where God had love and life and peace and joy for them. And they ended up wandering in the wilderness for, for 38 years. In verse 8, David here, 
He just wants to escape. He wants to disappear. And so he's telling God how he feels. But thank God he doesn't follow through with his feelings. He looks up and he stays and prays. Notice what we read in verse 9. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. Uh, For I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around its, on, its, in it, on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in its midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. And so it's interesting, if you'll, if you'll notice in our handout, prayer number two is for God to destroy and divide the enemies. And, 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 and you wonder, well, why? And he says, why? He asks, this is why, Lord, destroy, O Lord, verse 9, and divide their tongues. Notice, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Because what, what ended up happening was Absalom took over. I'm going to be king. He exalted himself when that wasn't his calling. And so he goes into the city thinking, you know, whatever, that he's going to be the man and the whole, all the citizens begin to suffer, right? Absalom was not a good king. He was not called to that place, but he placed himself there. And because God wasn't in it, 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 was, it was not pretty. And, and so we read those words in verses 10 and 11, words like violence and strife, you know, iniquity and trouble and destruction, and oppression, deceit on the street. And so David prays in verse 9, Lord, divide their tongues. And, and it's interesting, in my Bible, there's a footnote here, and it tells me that the word tongues can also be translated counsel. So, so David prayed, Lord, divide their counsel, which is exactly what God did. You know, if you go back to 2 Samuel chapter 13, and by the way, the whole story of Absalom and Ahithophel is in 2 Samuel 13 all the way through 18 and even into 19. So you read that story tonight for your, you know, before you go to sleep, don't watch television, you read that tonight and you're going to get blessed. And so, uh, but there in the story, David is praying. 2 Samuel 15, 31, someone told David, saying Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, and he prayed, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness so he prayed that prayer but later on Hushai another one of David counselors uh, comes to David and he says hey I'm going to stick with you and then David says no Hushai I want you to go back and I want you to kind of tweak their their counsel I want you to go in there and do a work for God and so again we got to pray we got to pray but we also have to act we have to obey we have to do what God calls us to do. And that would end up giving David the victory. And so in verse 12, he, he says, For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could hear it, bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a, a man my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. You know, David prays for God to destroy and divide his enemies. And number one reason, the general suffering, the citizens of Israel were suffering. It wasn't just about him. It was a general suffering. 
But then there was also a personal suffering because the guy, and, and he doesn't really come again his son too much. I, I think he's kind of giving his son, a, he's saying it was this guy Ahithophel who did this whole thing. That guy was very wise. We're going to see here. And, and so, you know, he's blaming it on him. And it's this personal suffering. This guy who was my friend. It's not an Edomite. It's not a Moabite. It's an Israelite. It's not a Philistine. It's not a foe. It's a friend who's coming against me. And, and, and I don't know if you'll ever experience that in your life. But for most of us, we will eventually have a Judas. Somebody who was your friend. Somebody who said they were loyal. But, you know, one day, for whatever reason, the enemy gets a hold of them like he did Judas. And they turn against you for no reason. You know, and, and if you're there, and it could be people you love so much. If you're there, you've got to come to a chapter like this. And you've got to know that David knows how you felt. God, Jesus knows how you felt. And this is how you deal with it. You know, David says there in verse 13... You were my equal, my companion, my acquaintance. You know, David and Hithophel had been friends for many, many years. You know, Hithophel is probably a little older because his son is one of David's mighty men. Uh, Hithophel is David's counselor, so probably a little older. Maybe even a mentor in his life. Again, I don't want to read too much into it, but... Maybe. Uh, the King James Version, if you have an old King James, it translates the word companion as guide. I mean, you were my equal. You were my friend. You were my, 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 my mentor, maybe. I mean, you were somebody that I, I knew, man, you will always be there for me. You're gonna, we're going to go side by side. We're going to go through this together. You know, Ahithophel, um, interesting man. They... These guys worship and fellowship together. We read that in verse 14. You know, not, not just counsel. Look at we took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. You know, the one translation says we would share personal thoughts with each other. In God's temple, we would walk together among the crowd. You know, and I could visualize them there intimately meeting together, talking personally talking ministry why would Ahithophel do this vengeance right the enemy comes in man why did Judas do it money I mean it's just I mean different things right how we have to be so careful that we don't ever become a Judas you know, guard our hearts. You know, I, I know for one thing, man, when I look at David and, and these guys, we, we learn so much from them, right? I mean, um, when you read 2 Samuel eleven three and 2 Samuel twenty three thirty four, you find that Ahithophel was the grandfather of Bathsheba. His son Eliam was Bathsheba's dad. And then you begin to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. So you killed my, my granddaughter's son, and then you took her to be your wife with all your other, you know, you know, hundred wives. I mean, and, and you know, you, all, you just look at the worst, but little did you know that God even had a plan in that. That one day, David and Bathsheba would have a son named Solomon. I mean, we got to be careful that we don't play God. 
You know, when you put Ahithophel and Absalom together, it was a tough situation. You know, there's a lot of people who, who say, I don't get mad, I get even. Any of you guys say that? <laughs> I don't get mad, man. I TCOB. I take care of business. You know, David has it coming, right? And taking matter into their own hands, forgetting the biblical truth of Deuteronomy 32:35, repeated in the New Testament twice, in Romans 12, 19, and Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 30, God says it three times because he wants to make sure it's super clear. Vengeance is mine. I'll repay, says the Lord. You know what, you know what Ahithophel and Absalom should have done? Forgiven him. But no, man, they wanted to, they wanted to get at him. They would pay the price. You know, David could have stayed and, and, and prayed, P-R-E-Y, because, you know, he's a soldier, but he didn't. He prayed, P-R-A-Y, right? Verse 15, again, he's praying, let death seize them. Let them go down alive into, the, into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and, and among them. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me, evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud. He shall hear my voice. Notice there, it gets real, we'll come back to this, but verse 17, evening, morning, noon. He's praying more frequently. The situation you're in, let me ask you a question. Are you praying more frequently? Evening, morning, and noon. Not just frequently, with intensity. Look at verse 17 again. I will pray and cry aloud. And again, not necessarily saying it has to be volume per se, but with passion and intensity. You know, I mean, David here, he, he really, he prayed. Verse 18, he has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, even he who abides from of old, Selah. Notice, because they do not change Therefore, they do not fear God. And so he begins here with an imprecatory prayer, and he gets pretty graphic. Look at verse uh, um, 15. Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell. You guys, and I don't want to sound like I'm cussing or anything, but you know what he's saying right there? Lord, let them go to hell. Open up the earth and swallow them alive. Now, where have we heard that before? In Korah's rebellion, right? In the book of Numbers. And what you find is that these guys, they went to Moses, and they said, who are you? Who are you, Moses and Aaron? We're just as important as you are. And, and Moses is like, oh, no, don't start a rebellion here. It's the Lord that put me here. I didn't put myself here. But the guys are all like, hey, you take too much responsibility on yourself. We're just as you know, holy as you are. And Moses never denied that. But basically he said, all right, well, then let's find out what's going on here. And they end up seeking the Lord. And what ends up happening is these guys are found guilty. And all these guys that came against their leader that God had put there, the earth swallowed up. It's like Pac-Man. Do you guys remember Pac-Man? <laughs> it opened up and it swallowed them alive. Why? Because... They came against God's anointed. We have to be so careful in these things. That's what he's praying right here. Interesting. He's going back to these visuals of the Old Testament. 
you know, when you think of David and, and these guys that are coming against him as a leader, David never did that against Saul. And even though Saul was much worse, remember Saul was after him. Saul wanted to kill him. Saul threw spears at him. David could have killed him in a split second, but he never did because he knew the order, the spiritual structure in God's kingdom, right? I mean, David, on the contrary, never took matters into his own hands. He didn't lift up his hand against God's anointed. In 1 Samuel 26, 9, David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. Speaking of Saul, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And so, well, what's David doing here? He's praying. He's not P-R-E-Y. He's P-R-A-Y. He's just praying. And that's what we have to do, you guys. Don't go after them. Even if someone's treating you unjustly, you know, you've got to ask the Lord for wisdom. Don't immediately go up and take matters into your own hands and sock them. You know, pray. You know, you've got to give these things to God. You know, when my son was small, I remember we had, he had a couple of dolls. This is when he was little, okay, a long time ago. But one of them was uh, this clown, and, and then the other one was uh, uh, the Grinch. And to be honest with you, they looked kind of scary. And so every night before he would go to bed, he would get these little two stuffed animals, he would bring it to Shelly and I, and he'd say, here, you guys take care of it. Every night, man, we're talking for, for years, right? And uh, he stopped doing it last year, but um, <laughs> not in his time, no, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. So it's like, God, I can't handle this. I, I give it to you. He runs out of gas. Cool. He knows who to call. You know, whatever the case may be. You're, you guys know what I'm talking about? That's what we need to do when we're in those situations. We can pray. But don't just play. Don't pretend. Don't be one of those people. You're, you know, we're here. We're at Calvary Chapel Amani. And you and you don't and you've been hearing it over and over again like a broken record how God's been calling you to get on your face on your knees, and you haven't. Some of you have, praise God. But if you haven't, it's time. We know David here going through this whole thing. He's praying, right? That's what he's doing, and he's praying hard. Has the situation that you're in altered your prayer life at all? For David, it affected the frequency and intensity. And then it brought confidence for victory, you know. And it's so cool when you read, you know, what's going on here in our in our in our sheet is prayer number three for for death and destruction on his enemies, and we're going to see he reasons because of their wickedness, and then we're going to see in this section David kind of goes back and forth between their wickedness and his righteousness, right? Notice in verse 20, um, what this guy's done, he's put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. I mean, when Ahithophel became counselor to the king, he had to swear an oath of loyalty, but he broke it. Verse 21, the words of his mouth, they were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. It's, it's crazy when you look at this. Uh, Ahithophel sworn allegiance to the Lord and the king, but he broke his covenant. He had a plan all along. It's hard to imagine words smoother than butter, to be honest with you. But man, some people are geniuses at manipulation. You know, I remember the words of William Shakespeare who said, so Judas kissed his master and cried, all hail, 
whereas he meant all harm. And that's why we have to check our hearts. You know, little do these guys know, when you betray others, you betray yourself. You know, Judas ruined his own life. Ahithophel ruined his own life. Absalom ruined his own life. You know, it's interesting, Judas hung himself, right? He killed himself. Ahithophel hung himself. He killed himself. And you want to know what's interesting? Absalom got hung too. You remember, it's a crazy story, but he had this beautiful hair, and he was on a mule, and he's going in the woods, and somehow, I trip out on the story, he got hung up on a tree. Imagine that. And I'm like, Lord, how could he get hung on a tree? How could a guy get hung on a tree? I mean, wouldn't you just be able to, I mean, but somehow he got hung because God wanted to use him as a visual illustration because he's in the same league with Judas and Hithophel who got hung. And then when he got hung there, this is what my prayer is, that he repented of his sins. He said, God, forgive me. But then Joab came and killed him. It's interesting when you read the way that it's all connected here. You know, Judas hung himself, Ahithophel did, and so did Absalom, according to 2 Samuel 18, 9 through 10. And so it all comes down, down now to the primary point you know, when we're oppressed, when we're restless, when we're in pain, you know, when we feel shame, when we tremble, when we're fearful, when we want to give up, when we want to split or quit, when we want to even fly or just die, you know, when we're there, we have to look up. We have to put our hands up and say, I surrender. Hand it over to God. It's time to give the situation to God, to give your husband to God, to give your wife to God, to give your kids to God. Stop messing it up because you're, we're trying to do things. It's time for you to give yourself to God. Give, it, give your heart to, this is what's going on. Look, notice what we read right here. Verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. And, and this, is, this is the primary point right here. Notice in our sheet, the closing counsel, letter A, instruction for protection for the righteous. You know, to give God your burden, we see that in verse 22, and to trust him there at the end of verse 23, and then the warning of destruction upon the wicked. You know, when we think of our relationship with the Lord, you know, we think of the fact that God is going to protect us. Notice again in verse 22, he shall sustain you, he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. But notice again, we have our responsibility as well. We have to cast our burden on the Lord. We have to let it go. We have to give it to God. And as we do that, then God can work. So we have our part, and then, you know, he has his. And I can't tell you so many, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've heard stories of spouses getting saved when one of them just said, I'm going to give them to the Lord. I'm just going to focus on the Lord myself and I'm going to give them to the Lord. Or children, 
or a single people, you know, saying they finally found somebody to marry when they stopped looking, you know, type of thing. <laughs> Just giving it to the Lord, you know, whatever the situation is, that's what we need to do. You know, there's that contrast there between the righteous in verse 22. What a beautiful promise. He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. What an awesome promise. But then to, to the wicked, how it says in verse 23, but, but they're going to come down to the pit of destruction. If you're here today and you don't repent, if you're here today and you don't give your life to the Lord, this is a warning to you. And don't say you never heard. Because it's right there in black and white. He gives a warning. So my prayer, you guys, as we close today, is that we would give our burdens to the Lord. The whole, the whole psalm really is a prayer. And to me, I think that that's one of the best ways we give it to God is through prayer. You know, if you haven't prayed about it, then you haven't really given it to the Lord. If it's still overwhelming you, it's because you haven't given it to the Lord. You just give it to the Lord, and what ends up happening is you have peace. So let me share with you guys uh, the little thing I wrote for tomorrow, and it has to do with this, uh, this verse. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. I remember when we were on our way to Cambodia for the first time, we had an 11-hour layover in Singapore, and so we embarked upon a different mission. We went out of the airport, and we went on a mission for black pepper crab. One of the brothers told us how there was nothing like it anywhere else in the world. Now, this is a brother who's traveled all around the world. He said, if we go to Singapore, we have to get black pepper crab. And so we determined to find it. It was a great adventure indeed. We walked and walked and walked and walked for miles. It, it wouldn't have been that bad, but it was close to midnight, and we had just finished a 14-hour flight. And to make matters worse, we had our luggage with us. And so we're lugging it all around the streets of Singapore, the brothers and the sisters. So what ended up happening, even to make it even worse than that, was some of the ladies didn't have wheels on their luggage, so they had to literally carry them. And for whatever reason, and here's the thing, they didn't want to give it up. They insisted on carrying their own luggage. Afterwards, I wondered, why did they do that? Why did they insist on carrying their own luggage? And I thought, well, maybe they didn't want to burden the brothers. Or maybe they didn't trust us with their valuables. I thought that's probably it. <laughs> I also think, to be honest with you, there was a tad of flesh flaring up because we were all tired. And we're, when we're in the flesh, our fallen nature is not reasonable. Thank God, eventually, I was able to convince, convince the last sister who was holding out to let me put her bag on my suitcase, which had wheels, and to entrust the load to a man who had a little more muscles. And so here's the, the closing paragraph. God, help us to learn our lesson. Cast your burden on the Lord. It's not too heavy for him, but it is too heavy for you. 
it will crush you. You really can't trust him with all your valuables and your mission will be so much more freeing. Can you visualize yourself now walking to Singapore and you're free, right? You might even enjoy the best black pepper crabs in the whole wide world. You know, God has a life for you. Right here it talks about them not living out half their life. To me, that, that's the people who don't give it to God. God has so much more for us. And so I pray that today, you know, we would give our hearts to him. You know, Jesus died for us on that cross. He rose again the third day. And it's just so amazing how all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Give him your sins. Give him your burdens. Give him your questions. Give him your life because you can't bear it on your own.